Hi, welcome. I'm Coach Les, and you are now tuned in to the Denia Azor radio show. Hello, Coach Les. How are you? Better than phenomenal. Thanks for asking. I love it. So I met Coach Les on Clubhouse in the 413 room. Shout out to Steve Marcheski and all the amazing things he's doing over there. So how did you initially get connected to Clubhouse? Hmm. So there's a gentleman out there named Edwin Edabiri, and he is the founder of the Happy Neighborhood Project. Back in 2016, he interviewed a thousand people about happiness. And I met him um, through um, somebody here in Minneapolis introduced me to the Happy Neighborhood Project. And I went on the Happy Neighborhood Project back in December of 2020. And in January, I got to meet Edwin and he said, hey, you should come and check this out. And he invited me January 31st and I followed the link and I went, oh, another social media app. <laughs> and I literally ran away as fast as I could. Um, I opened it up, you know, and looked at it and then ran away. So when you join Clubhouse, you get that little party popper. Well, my party popper came and went. And um, what brought me to Clubhouse then was on February 12th, 2021. I, that, it was a Friday. I found out that I was not going to be able to go. Um, the, the pandemic had stopped us from going on our second year of um, missions trip to Haiti. And I was so bummed. Um, and I just happened to click on Clubhouse. And I went, you know what? I think I can turn this into a place where I can create a mission and a ministry for myself. And lo and behold, I created the 24-hour Bible study um, club, which is now a house. Mm -hmm. And I've been operating that uh, seven days a week, um, multiple up to 25 rooms a week um, for two years. And What's that? March, April, May, June, and five months. Wow, that's awesome. So how did you get connected with the 413? So part of my journey on Clubhouse was I um, visited a lot of the rooms. And back when I first started, there were some pretty powerful rooms going on. Um, there was the million dollar, you know, what it takes to run a million dollar business. Um, with Dan and Kate, and I spent time in a lot of time in their room, and I was invited to become a moderator. And in that role of becoming moderator, what um, I learned a lot um, over a short period of time. I went into other rooms where I became known as Coach Less, and people knew that if they brought me up on stage, I had high decorum, high integrity, and my thing was all about integrity. And I bumped into Steve, Steve Michalski, and um, at one point he invited me to the 413, and I'm like, are you kidding? I got to get up an extra hour early. <laughs> Look. I'm already up at 6.30 doing my thing. And um, so, you know, I think he and I met and we talked and, um, you know, I just kind of shook my head going, I don't need another thing to do on my plate, especially on Clubhouse. 
And then about nine months ago, you know, not quite a year, I suddenly, you know, said, you know what, let me go listen to this because I happen to be awake. And I started to see the value of it as a place to empower me and get me excited and lifted up before my show started at 630. So I had basically 50 minutes to enjoy the 413 and get myself into a uh, place of being prepared for um, the 24-hour Bible study morning possibility with a cup of Bible. And I went in, and it was great because it was non-religious, non-political, and it was just uplifting. And then Stephen and I just, you you know, in learning about who I was and where my background was, um, we became friends. And then in February of this year, we went my wife and I flew to LA to stay with uh, somebody I'd met on Clubhouse, Steve Appel. And while we were there, Steve Michelski said, let's meet. So we met at his meeting spot, the Starbucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and got to know him and just became, um, fast became friends. You know, he has a, a, a quite a bit of faith in his background. Um, uh, that's just to put it mildly. And, uh, we, we became fast, fast friends. And, you know, I usually talk to him several times a week and I'm in the room every day. I love it. I love it. And integrity coach, Chris Les uh, Hill is my guest here on Denia Azure Radio. So how do you become an integrity coach? How does that happen? <laughs> well, so I, I invented the category. Um, there's, uh, an integrity coach website, um, where the guy calls himself, he, um, he actually is a business coach. And I thought, well, you know, I can't pull away that website from him, which is fine. Um, and I'm unique in creating integrity coach as a category, uh, for coaching, much like, you know, people have specialty coaches for the different, uh, arenas. I, really went to work on, you know, everybody says, so who do you coach? And, you know, I'm like, hey, I came from the personal training and development world. I coach anybody from eight years old to 85, from a dishwasher to a CEO. And I thought, you know what? You know, I've been coaching for over 23 years. How can I narrow it down and be able to narrow down what it is that I do and what it is that I work with people. And I created that integrity coach and it scares some people, which is okay. It excites people because they're interested in, you know, um, leveling up their integrity across their entire company and across everything that they're doing. And it allows me to go into and dig into those areas of life that some people get a little shaky about. Uh, their their family, their faith, whatever it is, and um, see how all of those, the, both of those two impact their business and distinguishing the integrity with which they approach life. And in doing that, what I noticed was if somebody was having a tough time in a certain area of their business and they were stuck, I could go to their family, or I could go to their faith and look for 
an area where they were out of integrity have less blocks cause a breakthrough and then bring it over to their business and demonstrate to them how the two were front of the hand and back of the hand. And the next thing you know, I've got this new leverage called being an integrity coach, making a difference with people with outside the box thinking. And there's no defense mechanism that's yet been created. <laughs> right, exactly. Definitely. So before you were coaching, you were also into wine. So how did you get into that business? Mm -hmm. So I, I have the privilege of um, my, my parents. Um, I grew up in England, was born and raised in England. My father was Scottish. My mother's English. Um, they were both divorced and remarried by the time I was eight. And my stepmother and my father went, moved to Belgium, um, lived in Belgium, Brussels, Belgium for a year, then moved to France. And I went to live with my father and stepmother in France. And food, um, you know, we worked, my dad worked for a big corporation, um, a, a U.S. corporation in France that paid the bills they paid for the home. They paid for going out to eat. It was had a lot of perks, a lot of benefits. And so I became very familiar with food. And I've been, you know, I grew up in a European environment where at the table, I mean, I remember having my first sip of wine, much to, ugh, didn't really like it at like five <laughs> years old. Um, but then as I grew up, I learned how to taste wine with food. And that became my thing. And then as I went up through college, I went into the restaurant business as a waiter, a server, a bartender, a cook, a busser, a room service person, um, a caterer, and did all of those things and looked for something that would combine my skills from the day and night. And I got into the selling wine and liquor business. And then once I got into the wine and liquor business, I fell in love with wine. I became a certified sommelier, um, which I absolutely love. And my passion became doing events. Um, and people still call me today, hey, Les, would you come and do a wine and food pairing for us? We want to do, we want to spend this much money. We want to, you know, we know, and they give me a budget and I go buy wine and I go buy cheese and um, they'll cook some food and I come and I do an in-house wine tasting. And it's not like a huge money maker. It's more being paid to do something I absolutely love. So I still do them. And I, you know, from, from there, um, I did that business for 23 years. And I still have a couple of clients that own restaurants now. So I keep, get to keep my, you know, little pinky in the business. And uh, I've enjoyed, you know, I've been blessed. I've been to Napa and Sonoma. Um, I spent, I went to school in Bordeaux for um, a short time and learned about Bordeaux wines. I've toured all over France um, with, uh, you know, because we lived there, but I've also toured over there as an adult and been to many of the wine locations and wine regions. Um, I was the... Uh, Bordeaux importer for the company, the wine company that I worked at for five years. And, you know, I, I'm a geek. 
<laughs> so that was a that's a little bit. And I went from being a wine salesperson to a coach because I started working with a personal training and development company in the evening. I'm a workaholic. And I worked for that personal training and development company for 10 years, put in about 20,000 hours of training over, over the 10 years and, you know, fell in love with making a difference with people and then combined my knowledge of sales and the business aspect from the restaurant, liquor and wine world into the personal training and development and coaching and that aspect of empowerment and found myself as a business coach. And here I am. That's awesome. So what would you say has been one of your most memorable experiences traveling um, in the wine business? Um, by far the time that I went to Bordeaux. Um, if you remember, I think it was it 2008 or 2009, whenever that crash was. 2008. Uh, yeah, at 2008, and everybody, um, you know, there was there was such a mess, and I was scheduled the following spring to go to uh, to Bordeaux for training and uh, wine school, and so there were supposed to be 16 of us from around the country. 15 of them canceled. I showed up. I was the only person. So for this almost two weeks, I lived in a chateau. I stayed in the room that President Nixon stayed in. Um, the, fu the fun thing about it was one of those showers where it has 12 heads. Um, <laughs> I slept in a bed that had these beautiful French doors that opened up looking at the vineyards. And I woke up, had a personal chef cooking my breakfast. I mean, except it was really lonely because the table's designed for like 20 some people. And here's me. My <laughs> so I ended up by the, you know, by the second and third day, I ended up grabbing my food and going sitting in the kitchen at the counter chatting with the chef. Um, I had my own chauffeur who drove me around to the different appointments and I have my own instructor. <laughs> And I had so much fun with the chef because I also, you know, speaking French, that the chef um, canceled the chauffeur for two days and he, the chef drove me around. And, you know, it's one thing to have the red carpet treatment because I'm a supplier, but it's another thing to have the back door red carpet treatment because everybody wanted to know the chef from, wow. from Bar uh, Barton et Gustier Chateau. Uh, Chateau Magnol. And so we went in and I, I got to taste, I mean, I tasted wines that are, uh, you know, collectors would pay, you know, uh, people that have, you know, ungodly amounts of money would spend five or six figures to buy a bottle. And I got to taste wow. some of that with some of the people that new guests were coming. We went around dinner time and they had special people coming in and um, the chef and I got to taste, you know, and I don't need to drink a massive glass, right? So right. we got to taste little bits of it and just drool over this, you know, um, Chateau Petrus, Chateau Hosanna, Chateau um, Aubryon, uh, Chateau Margot, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. I mean, 
yeah, I, I, I was sincerely spoiled. <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. An integrity coach. Last Hill is my guest here on Denia Azure Radio. So you, you know, initially were kind of uh, skeptical about Clubhouse, and now you have over 11,000 followers. What would you say has been your biggest challenge when it comes to growing your platform on Clubhouse? Um, <laughs> I would say the biggest challenge is... Uh, you know, I think there's so much that's assigned to how big you are, right? How many followers you have. Um, when, if you have a club, how many people are in the club? Well, now it's called a house. If you have a house, how many people are in the house? And um, when I joined, there were, there were big houses and big, lots of big people like people, um, you know, Grant Cardone's on there and he's got, you know, 685,000 people following him. And the owners have, you know, 6 million following them. And, you know, the what I noticed was when people got over 10,000 followers, there was a listening that was given to them. Like, you know, ooh, we, we, we want to hear what this person has to say. Um, you become a little bit more credible. And so it was a challenge and a race to get to that credibility point. And um, at one point, ugh, this I was up to 14,000 and I was like, oh, things are going great. I had been in lots of rooms. I would go in and listen in rooms and they'd say, oh, go into this room and listen in this room and, mm -hmm. you know, share. And so I'd visit lots of rooms. I was absolutely crazy. I spent, you know, probably 80 hours a week sometimes in clubhouse and, you know, this as an active person. And then they came in and they did a clean sweep. In other words, they came in and they, they figured out there were lots of trolls. There were lots of people that were stacking their numbers and followers. And I went, why would people do that? And, you know, people were paying for it. So, Clubhouse came in and took them out of the system. They came in and did a clean sweep. One day I was at 14,000. The next day I came in, I was at four and a half thousand. And I literally cried because I was like, are you kidding me? And I found out that there are some of the rooms that I'd gone into when you go into those rooms, these, they call them trolls, mm -hmm. were were put on to you. So I'd be all excited. Wow, 400 people connected with me last night. That's awesome. <laughs> right? I didn't I didn't know any better. Right. And um so that was a tough a big setback and um now as you know as soon as I uh, that happened I'm like why am, why is this such a big deal? It's all about, I, and it occurred to me it was all about ego. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there was a turning point for me that said, I can make a difference. People know me. They know my bio profile picture because I've kept it the same. And it, it's time for me just to own who I am. And I think that's the biggest breakdown and breakthrough I've had on Clubhouse was to be able to do that. 
Definitely, definitely. You know, I think, and it's interesting that you talked about, you know, uh, the the numbers game. Social media is a numbers game. However, I am all about quality over quantity. Because if you don't have the engagement, if you don't have real followers, if you're buying your followers, then when it's time for you to actually put something out and, you know, promote something, you get crickets. <laughs> And it's difficult anyway, even when you have yeah. legitimate followers, because a lot of them aren't on at the same time, right? And you open right. up a room and, I mean, I've been opening up rooms now. I've done thousands of rooms on Clubhouse um, over the last two and a, two and a half years. And um, I open up a room and I still, a lot of times, you know, don't break a hundred in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that it's because a lot of it's faith based. Um, but even when my my biggest room was I'm also a Zig Ziglar coach and I have the Ziglar Legacy Club um, or Ziglar Legacy House, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I do some I did quite a bit of work last year in that club that um, which it was a club back then. And. One time I had a room on a Friday night and the word got out that I was doing live coaching mm. and we had over 250 people in the room. Nice. Um, and I, w I was coaching somebody who was coach on Clubhouse and um, they gave me permission to basically use a scalpel and I used a scalpel Um they still are talking to me, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but they have not been into any of my rooms since then. So mm, um, there's, there's definitely um, gossip that flows through Clubhouse. Uh, I think drama is one of the things that drives a lot of these big rooms to get big. There's a lot of negativity. I mean, 413 is one of the, you know, half dozen rooms on Clubhouse that is not negative. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully that gave you way more than you asked. No, for. definitely, for sure. So, um, you talked about the different coaches. So, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges for people who are just starting out when it comes to coaching? listening learning how to listen and allowing people uh, clients uh, future clients referral partners people that as they get to know you can then refer you out to people that they bump into being such a good listener that people know love and trust you based on the mm -hmm. fact how you listen and how you recreate them. Absolutely. You said something very important. You know, when you talked about your experience, when you went to, to France and you were the one out of 15 people that were there, that shows the importance of showing up. I say it all the time. You never know who's going to be in the room. You never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. This is why it's important to show up because you will stand out that way. 
Because I guarantee you, when you left that, everybody was talking about you and talking about the chef, all that, because you were the one that, that came out as opposed to the people that decided not to for whatever reason, you know, and you become a reliable person, which is why it's, it's very fitting that you're an integrity coach because you you show that in what you've done. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I think my famous sales story is I called on, um, so you know who Prince is, of course, right? Of the course. Movie. So his bodyguard, everybody thought it was Prince's club, but his bodyguard opened a club here in Minneapolis called mm. Glam Flam. And a very good friend of mine who was a bar manager that was buying from me at a club that was um, another club, Mm -hmm. um, got hired as their bar manager. And I was like, yes, it's one of the biggest bars in the city. I'm going to get the business. And he says, Les, I'm going to give you the business because I know how well you take care of me. And I called on him and saw him in person twice a week for two years. Mm -hmm. And in the second year, it was a Friday night at four o'clock. And he called me and said, Les, I need 10 cases of vodka for tonight. I didn't get my vodka order from our rep and he's not answering his phone. <laughs> and I said, I'll have it there in 45 minutes. <laughs> and just so you know, the warehouse is closed at four. So I, I had to, it was my relationship and I borrowed it from one of my local liquor stores and um, I delivered it. And the owner saw me coming in with the cases of vodka and he says, what do you, you know, what, what, who are you? What are you doing? And I said, you're, you needed 10 cases of vodka. And wow. I'm the only person that answered my phone. And I ended up with uh, half of the business. That's After blessing. two years and 104 visits. Exactly. It's about being patient and showing up and showing out. I love it. And integrity coach, less go up. Les Hill is my guest here on Denia Azure Radio. So what advice can you give someone who is just starting to open up rooms on Clubhouse? So one of the things that I've recommended um, for people is to find, um, find somebody that already has a house that has quite a few followers, get to know them, work with them, learn from them, and then ask them if you can open a room in their house. And what I mean by that is so, of course, you know, if you're coming into the 24 hour Bible study, it's got to have at least something towards faith, <laughs> right? Of course, um, it makes sense. And <laughs> Right? You don't want to come in there and start talking about mechanics. Um, the, the cool thing about it, though, is when you do that, you have the ability to then use their audience, their members to speak out to when you open a room. There's so many people that come on Clubhouse because they've heard about Clubhouse and how great it is. They come in and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock them dead, right? They come on and they open them up. They fill their bio profile and they start a club. They start a house and they open up a room and there's two people in it, their newest friend and themselves. 
And once again, it's all about ego, right? It's, you know, find a community to become a part of mm-hmm. and grow who you are. Have people get to know who you are and how you are. And from that space, then you can open up a room. Mm -hmm. And what I always tell people is like, look, don't then suddenly get all these followers, go open your own house and leave that house. No, open up your own house and keep both and, and, and start yours and maintain that room with that person that you create a relationship with. Yes. Because now you've got the sum of both. Mm-hmm. And the people that may never have gone in here but come to yours, you can now bring them over and help the house. So it becomes a community affair. And for me, community is everything. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, and book you. Well, you'll see right um, below me here. You'll um, you can go to leshill.info, l-e-s-h-i-l-l dot i-n-f-o. That's the website. Um, put the www's in there. Um, you can also find me at less is more coaching because um, that's the name of my company, an LLC. And when you go to my website, you'll see the ability to book a calendar appointment with me. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Pinterest. You can find me on Tumblr. You can find me on Clubhouse, of course, uh, where I spend a lot of time. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And I know there's a lot of people that are always curious, how do I vet somebody? And I think that LinkedIn really makes that possible because when you go on LinkedIn and you find somebody and you connect with them, you can see who their mutual followers followers are. And you can actually go back and look and see the testimonials that have been left, the way people have interacted with them, the events, how how they have helped other people move forward by sharing stuff and, and reposting stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, LinkedIn is what I call the Facebook of business people. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Denaya. I really appreciate it. And for those of you that have not had an opportunity to actually meet and spend time with Denaya, Um, Both uh, Denaya and Seba do some absolutely amazing, 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 amazing things to support the arts. And that's really where I found my passion for getting to know Denaya. So Denaya, thank you for both what you and First Lady do as far as supporting the arts around the country and making a profound difference with them. And just really your heart is massive and the impact that you have is you know inexplicable so thank you thank you so very much have an amazing day you too denia take care